0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment.
1: And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So
0: last week we talked about uh, one way to structure your apps, your individual app business, and, and it kind of focused on building up a portfolio of apps over time that kind of just run indefinitely and provide you with decreasing over time revenue, but that still stays the sum of which can stay substantial enough to keep you going. Um, So you kind of just let apps like slowly fade into the sunset over a long period of time. An alternative to that uh, for some apps or for some people is selling apps uh, to people, to acquirers in some form. We'll talk about that uh, this week. Uh, More about like, you know, how you build an app for sale how you consider you know what it will be like to sell it later down the road uh, and then it, you know certain different considerations you might take uh, and then at the how to structure that deal and what kind of you know how to value your app and what you know how you expect uh to get paid over time so I think the first the first thing to look at is building an app with sale in mind, so with future sale in mind. One of the most obvious things is, legally, and you should be doing this anyway, uh, it is beneficial to have a separate business entity for your apps. Whether you have one entity with all your apps under it or separate entities per app, that's between you and your accountant and your lawyer. Um, By the way, please hire an accountant and a lawyer to set this up for you. Uh, And... That I don't really have a strong opinion either way whether you do things under separate LLCs or not. I I have done separate LLCs for most of my big things, um, but then I have like my I have like one kind of catch all that has like everything else, like all the podcasts and blog income and everything. So it's I can see the advantages of both systems. Um, in in reality, um, when when it comes time for acquisitions, there's not a lot of strong opinion one way or the other because. Doing a, doing separate LLCs for everything is a lot of overhead, uh, and a lot of times an acquirer doesn't want to buy the business; they want to buy the business's assets. Uh, so it, it might it might not have even been worth it in the long run. Uh, one area where it is very helpful to have separate asset or separate accounts um, is the uh, Apple Developer account, because if you Sell an app. Apple has a way that you can transfer an app. Now, they didn't for a long time. They have a way you can transfer an app to an acquirer from your developer account, but there's a lot of limitations on that. Uh, one of the uh, biggest ones that is still standing today, and I'm not sure, I don't I, I don't know if they've ever said if it's going to go away in the future or not, but they probably haven't, uh, is that if your app has ever used certain entitlements, such as iCloud, it just can't be transferred ever. And so there's there's a lot of reasons why... Having separate Apple developer accounts for separate apps makes sense. And the easiest way to, to do that within the bounds of what Apple allows is to have them be separate business entities. Uh, so that, that is one big advantage there. But other than that, um, I don't really have a lot to say on that
1: topic. Do you? No. I mean, I think the biggest thing with that topic is if this is something that you can see yourself wanting to do down the road, it's good to th- it's like have that end in mind when you're setting things up initially because whatever approach you take you know and that will vary wildly depending on you know all kinds of things and i imagine it varies by country you know if you're a developer in a, in a country other than the united states like you may have different rules or different requirements for things but um it's something that you want to keep in mind and then as you're developing it's something that you want to keep in the back of your mind too like i for you know after apple announced that you know they have this new you can transfer apps but unless you know but not if you've enabled iCloud for example I think long and hard about if I ever want to, you know, push that button in the developer portal to enable the entitlement, because I have in my mind that, like, is this an app that I could see selling? Um, is this an app that I would like to have that opportunity to easily transfer it to another account? Or not. And I think, you know, it's good to be conscious of that as you're going through that rather than just like you go into, you know, you go into the developer portal, you're setting out up an app and it's like, oh, yeah, let me just check all the boxes um, like <laughs> do people do that, that approach. Is not great um, in this in this case because you may find yourself you know stuck down the road even if you never used iCloud um, and it's not the kind of thing that you can like pull iCloud out of your application and then suddenly you can transfer it. It's like it's a if you've ever pushed that button once in the developer portal, um, the app will be forever ineligible for transfer and so you'd have to then you know be doing things that are more like transferring the business entity. Um, or like creating a subsidiary of the company that the app is then like moved into or and then they purchase just that like subsidiary like things would get more complicated. And so if this is something that you would ever want to do be thoughtful about that be thinking about it in terms of how you set up your business stuff as well as you know how you set up your stuff within your developer account. Exactly
0: and, and beyond you know beyond the developer account question everything else about keeping things separate is generally just like a good idea to do anyway for accounting reasons or for legal reasons. Um, So for instance, like obviously have like a separate business bank account. That's step number one. Um, And, you know, and hopefully as, you know, a separate, some kind of entity, whether it's an LLC or or incorporated, that's up to you and your accountant and lawyer again. Um, But, you know, also things like service accounts, like your web host. Like I, I use Linode for all my stuff. Uh, I don't have just one Linode account. I have two. I have one for one LLC that has like my blog and podcast stuff, and I have a separate account for Overcast because that's a separate LLC. It's a separate business. Um, and then if Overcast later gets acquired, uh, which by the way I don't foresee happening in the near future, but <laughs> but if for some reason it would uh, theoretically, then you know it's easier because everything is already separate from other business assets Um, and again like it it will depend on what kind of style of business you run like how much of a burden this is if you have tons and tons of small apps this is going to be hard to do but if you have a smaller number of bigger apps this will be easier and and more worthwhile Um, and and chances are if you have bigger apps that's going to be more likely to be you know up for the question of whether you want to sell them to begin with so that's probably more you know more of what you're looking for here um. so another thing to think about is you know when you're when you're building an app for, for potential future sale how much do you want to sacrifice revenue now for potential revenue down the road in an acquisition so that might inform decisions about pricing for instance um, so if you want you know if you're if you're aiming for an acquisition down the road what you want mo- more of anything of is users uh, because users are valuable for for acquirers usually if you want to like get big up front then you're going to need to probably take less money up front than you could if you you know just made like a nice you know productivity app and charged 10 dollars for it and sold it in the store like If instead, you build up a whole community of users that all came for free because it was easy because it was free, Uh, you know, there's no barrier there to entry, Um, that would be better for an acquisition down the road. But that's a riskier bet because you might not get acquired down the road and then you've made nothing. Um, This is why that model is usually funded by VC because it's kind of, uh, it's it's a huge risky gamble and probably an ill-advised one to do that with your own money backing it. Um, So... You know the VC model. The one of the reasons why acquisitions happen more often in VC than outside of it, uh, at least as far as we can see, is that it is easier to build up a big company faster if you are not concerned about making money immediately. Um, and if you are, if you try to make money from day one, like we do, um, that's going to be a a slower growth period uh, in most cases. That being said, that might also inform things like where you make your money. So. You know, Overcast has been profitable since day one, uh, but also on day one, I decided to make the app free. Uh, So it's free up front, and I, you know, had in-app purchase for other stuff, and that's been the model since day one for lots of reasons, um, but mainly I wanted to maximize the audience of the app, and I decided profit was secondary to that. I still needed profit, but that it was secondary to that. And that will also help you, you know, if down the road you decide to sell an app, Having taken that kind of approach will probably benefit you uh, in a lot of cases because you will have more users. You'll have a bigger audience behind it, and that will be that will all add to its value
1: to an acquirer. Yeah, and I think too, it's a, it's a difference of mindset where if you're trying to groom an application for potential sale, you need something to sell it on that's impressive. Um, And, like, inevitably, this is going to, you know, like, what what you're going to attract somebody's uh, in, you know, so typically it's going to be, you know, some large corporation is going to buy your app because it has something that they want that they can't easily get themselves. And it's cheaper for them to purchase, you know, as a bundle rather than, like, compete with you directly. And you know, more often than not, the thing that they are going to be wanting um, is your user base, is your customer base. Um, you know, if if your app is you know has is high in revenue, um, you know, sort of with a small user base, then it's probably going to be less, in some ways less appealing to refer a, a company to buy because they're going to have to pay so much for it. Um, you know, if, if your, if your app is making lots and lots of money for you, in order for someone, you, for you to want to part with it, they're going to need to pay you very well for that. Um, and then so, if it's, however, if it just has a large amount of sort of relatively unmonetized users, um, that is a more straightforward thing, I think, for someone to view as it's valuable to them because they have other ways to monetize it or the value to it isn't indirect monetization, it's in something else. Um, you know, it's in it's more of a brand move or who knows what, like there's lots of things that larger companies, their goals might be different than your goals, you know, with for most small independent businesses, like my goal is mostly just income. Um, I'm not having these kind of these big, broad things where, you know, a, a larger company may have, you know, several million dollars in advertising budget that. For them, acquiring an application for one or two million dollars, if it's just like it could just be an advertising expense, essentially, and they just want <laughs> to put their name on something that is in front of a group of a relevant demographic of people. Um, and so like their their goals may not be your goals um, directly. But I think the more important thing to keep in mind is. You know, you're going to if you want to sell an application, you need to be selling it based on something that's you know some impressive metric. Um, you know, there's going to probably going to be discussions about things like the the KPIs, the key performance indicators, and you know, what's your retention rate? What's your growth rate? Um, you know, what's your rate rate? I don't know. Like the, all of those numbers are things that are that you're probably going to need to have like good nice graphs that you know go up and to the right. Um, <laughs> Like that that's ultimately what you're going to want if you're going to sell it. And so you're going to structure your application to maximize those things. Um and you know, at a certain point it can start to get you know, you start to get kind of sketchy and things like if you want if if, if that's all you're trying to do, if you're doing the what is it they call it? the 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 growth hacking, like if that's your goal is just to get the most number of people in your app, you start doing, you know, funny things like, Hey, here's lots of push notifications, here's not just lots of things to pull you back in. Maybe not so great, but in a weird way like if that, if that, if those numbers are the things that you're optimizing for those behaviors and approaches are the things that make the most sense um as a result
0: exactly and you know as you mentioned like if you if, if there's something about your app that would make a company pay a premium for it you know if that that's almost kind of luck like whether that will happen to you uh, or not like one of the like an example of this is like when Facebook bought Instagram, uh, you know Facebook was clearly freaked out because photo sharing is core to Facebook's business, and they were losing a bunch of photo sharing on on like the new hot growth platform of the smartphone to this little startup called Instagram that was kind of eating their lunch. So Facebook freaked out and threw a massive amount of money at them. And that's anytime you can you can scare a large company about threatening their core business, that's a pretty good way to get like an an extra high valuation of your app. Um, Or, you know, you can do things like, like when, when a tech giant, like an old tech giant, like AOL uh, or Yahoo, you know, these companies tend to have a lot of money from like their old businesses and and old revenue streams, but they don't tend to have a lot of modern relevance or like, especially with younger audiences um, or like modern growth areas. So those big companies will often trade some of their giant old money for modern relevance or modern growth. Um, but for the most part, the kind of apps that, that you and I make, the kind of apps most of our listeners make, are probably not going to be big enough to or, or strategically important enough for most acquirers to want to pay a massive premium for them. So I'm going to be talking the rest of this episode mostly about like boring app valuations, basically. <laughs> like how how to value an app that you're just selling... Basically, just to get rid of it or to try to make some cash out of it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's probably fair to say that 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 version of selling of like the the million dollars or multi million dollars deal to a big company is like it's the big fancy version of this. But there's, there is certainly the selling an app for a modest amount of money for the purposes of getting either it's you've decided you don't want to be developing it anymore. Yeah, and it's kind of more of the not like a fire sale, but it's that kind of a. I've reached the end of my interest in this app, or I like a classic one where this will come up is you get a you, you decide you want to go back into the traditional workforce, like you get you take a job at Apple, and suddenly you can't you're you know you're usually not legally permitted to continue developing an app like this. You need to find a find you're finding a home for it. And so you're trying to work out what's a reasonable way to value it Um, or there's a much more modest version of this, too. That is just the I have this thing. I don't want it to I don't want to just pull it from the store and have the value that it has disappear and evaporate. But I can't, for whatever reason, keep working on it. So I'm going to find a new home for it.
0: We are sponsored this week by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone and support a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. Each Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. I personally have used Blue Apron now for over a year. My wife and I love it. We are huge fans of Blue Apron. It has really made us better cooks, and we greatly enjoy it. You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you, and no recipes are repeated within a year. So, for example, this week we have fontina and beet grilled cheese sandwiches with mixed citrus salad, mushroom and barley miso ramen with smoked dulce and spice, spicy red cabbage, green garlic pesto pasta with romaine salad and creamy lemon dressing, and tons more options. Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S., and there's no weekly commitment, so you can you can always just go on and cancel deliveries if you're not going to be there that week or if you're going to be too busy. It's no big deal. You don't pay for them then. Check out this week's menu and get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping. This is free food, three meals free with your first purchase, and free shipping. By going to blueapron.com slash radar, you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash radar. And thank you very much to Blue Apron for supporting this show and Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So, Building on what you were just saying about like if you're just going to go work for someone else and you're trying to sell your app that way, one of the most common acquisition styles is uh, called the acquihire, where basically a-, a company is acquiring your app mostly because as part of the deal, you are going to come work for them. Uh, this is very common for big companies when they acquire small apps. Uh, big companies have trouble attracting talent. Talent is very valuable to them. So it might be worth it if they can pay you a certain amount for your app and as part of the deal, you come work for them. That's basically just like a big hiring bonus for you. Like it, that is often worth the the trade off for a big company. Um, and oftentimes, like the acquisitions are kind of presented in the in the press maybe as being something else, but oftentimes it's really more about the aqua hire aspect of it. Um, especially if the company wasn't doing that well uh, before, like if the if the acquired product was not setting the world on fire, uh, or if the big company wants you to come work on their version of that so like when google buys an email app and shuts it down so the the people can go work on gmail you know that that is very very commonly the case and you you kind of can't think of this as like an input to selling your app if you don't want to go work for a big company you can kind of safely ignore the the goings-on in in the aqua higher market and the pricing thereof Um, this is also very very common uh, for vc funded companies as kind of a graceful pr exit VC funded companies don't often just fail and shut down out of the blue. Usually they get acquired for some undisclosed sum and the people go join up and go work for the big company. And this is usually because their investors uh, usually have the connections and uh, and motivation and the infrastructure set up to easily make these kind of deals uh, with maybe other companies, like larger companies they've invested in or or for their their associates or whatever else. It's a way for investors to get kind of a a graceful exit from companies that that have basically failed. Um, So... Selling an iOS app like ours, anything less than like a few million users uh, is really a pretty small app by acquisition standards. Um, Valuation for small apps like ours is generally not going to be a massive amount of cash upfront. You know, this is not like Santa Claus blessing you with a ton of money for for no reason. Like you, you really have to look at the value of your app, what what it actually would be worth to someone else paying for it. Who isn't totally in love with it? Who just is looking at it as a business, um, and and you know whatever you can do with it, they can do with it. If you can't do something with it, chances are they can't do it either. Um, so usually, the the most common way I've heard of and experienced uh, to sell an app is to basically sell it for uh, a small multiple of its current annual revenue, like what you and what you expect annual revenue to be in the next few years. Uh, so you might say, you know, it might sell for like three times its annual revenue, and that's that's the sale price or something like that, right? The multiple there depends on a number of factors. Uh, Obviously, one of the ones right up front is how much the acquirer will need to spend to keep it going or to to build it up to improve it and grow it over time if it's an app that needs a lot of staff or a lot of server costs or a lot of other costs that's going to reduce the amount they can pay for it because the acquirer is again they're looking at it as a business they're not santa claus like they're looking at it as a business and you have to you have to know like when you're going into this like are you actually offering them something that's an easy business to run or that's a low-cost business to run, or is it going to be really hard for them to extract money out of it? Because chances are, if you couldn't make it succeed or if you didn't feel like it's worth maintaining, like why would they? you know? And and, and as you mentioned before, like whether the revenue is going up or down over time is a huge indicator for figuring out the valuation. Um, because if it's going up, then both you and the acquirer can make really optimistic guesses and projections about its future potential this is why you want those graphs to be going up because you might be able to say well look it's it's going up clearly and so you can pay me five or ten times the annual revenue and you'll make it up in like three years or less um so you know you might be able to get a a higher multiple there uh, on your price if it's going down over time then it's probably worth very little probably a lot less than you expect Uh, it's if if your revenue is going down over time you'd be lucky to get like one or two times its annual revenue in a sale price. Uh, Because if it's going down over time, if you think about it from the acquirer's point of view, they are not only more likely to need to invest significant resources into turning it around, uh, but also the investment is clearly more risky because this is a product that's already in decline. So from an an acquirer's point of view, that is more likely that their investment ends up being worth zero or close enough to zero uh, than if it's going up. If it's going up, they they just kind of hop on the train and just keep it going and and hope for the best. If it's going down, they got to turn it around. Uh, And from an acquirer's point of view, something that's going down, like no matter how much time you spent building it, if they want to be in that business, they could just build one themselves in a lot of cases and it from like just from scratch and not buy yours. And that actually might be easier and cheaper than buying yours and trying to turn yours around. Beyond that, once you actually get to the, the, payment negotiation of like how do you get paid this money uh first of all quick quick aside on taxes please ask an accountant consultant accountant this is very important uh the way that your income is taxed could be different depending on the structure of the deal uh, be prepared in your head like you know when estimating things be prepared for it to tax to be, to be taxed as regular income which is a high tax rate but Oh well, you know, that's be prepared for that because in many cases uh it will be uh, depending on how it's structured, but please consult an accountant. Um you may also not realize that in a lot of these deals and this is how mine have all been as well, um you may not get much or any cash up front. I've never gotten cash up front for selling an iOS app. Uh most acquirers of small apps like the kind that we make uh, don't have like a massive pile of cash just sitting around. Like, you know, cash is hard to come by. It's more about cash flow, usually. Um, you know, especially because a lot of times an acquirer is another indie developer or another small company. Uh, so usually these deals are structured with some kind of payment over time. Uh, this could be like a fixed payment plan. If you say like, okay, I'll sell you, sell you this app for you know, $500 a month for the next five years or whatever. It could be fixed like that. Or uh, more commonly, I think it's a revenue share deal. Um, So it could be, you know, you could say like, all right, well, you give me, you know, 25% of the revenue over the next three years or whatever it is. Um, If you do the latter, if you do percentage of your revenue, I highly suggest that you negotiate for an annual minimum. Uh, This ensures that, if they shut down the app or if it if it fails or if they make it free if, if they eliminate the revenue stream basically uh, that you still get something for it over those years um, and it also just kind of encourages you know healthy business practices I think on the other side um, The only downside to this though to the to doing payments over time like this is that they're also not guaranteed to actually happen. <laughs> This is an eventuality that a lot of people don't like to think about or don't consider when they're looking at their contract, or they think the contract will protect them. Uh, But in fact, you know, the acquirer. Let's say you're going to get paid over the next five years. If the acquirer goes out of business in two years, you don't really get anything. You're kind of just screwed. Like you know, they. You might be able to try to extract something out of out of the way they crashed, but you're probably not going to succeed, or you're not going to get enough to matter. Um, A contract is really not worth much unless you're unless you are prepared and equipped to sue over it and most people aren't it's usually not worth it Um, so any kind of future payment be prepared for the possibility that the company either might go out of business or they might do some kind of like financial or legal entity trickery like transferring assets between different subsidiaries or things like that to get out of paying you Um, so you really have to be careful who you sell to and you know anybody can be like super friendly during the deal-making phase, but you have to kind of look at like, how do these companies or people actually do business over time? Like, if there's anything you can look at in the past of what they've bought or sold over or in the past, how they've treated people in the past, that will all help. Um, but ultimately, any any kind of payment in the future is uh, merely a suggestion, not a guarantee. Um, and and if I can summarize, I, I guess, my feeling on selling apps, now that I've done it a few times, um, is that in my experience, the, the way I sell apps uh, is not a great way to make money. Uh, it's it's a great way to to make a little bit of money, but it's you know I've made more running my apps than I've made selling them. Uh, it, it's selling for me is a way to make space in my schedule. It's a way to get rid of an app that I no longer want to work on or I'm no longer able to work on, uh, and then to free up that time that that app was taking in my schedule. and then hopefully, in the process of selling it, give its users, some kind of nice exit so that I don't have to worry about abandoning all these users and maybe give me a little bit of cash to help fund the development of the next thing I want to work on.
1: Yeah. And it, it, one other interesting thing, I think too, with these, with selling an app. So I was fair to say, I've never sold an app. I've gone very far down the process of, of like selling an app, uh, but we didn't end up uh, closing the deal. And um, part of, what I would 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 also sort of I don't know warn people about is is especially as an independent developer selling an app can be a very emotional thing, which makes it very complicated um, because the person who is acquiring the app, like you're saying, is typically more more interested in it just as a business like. It's just an asset that, that generates money over time and they can, you know, run some financial equations on it and kind of get a sense of what it's worth. And they're giving you, you know, their goal is to profit from it beyond what they're giving you money for, either now or over time. But you may, you may have very different feelings about it that are much more in, you know, intertwined. Like this may be, you know, this thing that you, you know, you've been toiling over for years and years and put hours into work, or it's the thing that allowed you to, you know, go out independent if that's always been your goal and you have this kind of emotional tie to it. And those kinds of things are going to make this process very complicated for you. And in many ways, ultimately, like the de- the deal that I kind of walked down, but then en- didn't end up doing, I mean, it broke down for a variety of reasons, but one of them was this type of awkward, this awkward tension between, in, in my own mind, of you know it's like separating myself from this thing that i care for a lot um is hard like the acquiring company doesn't care about that like that's not valuable to them they're not going to pay a premium because you love your app right. it's not their baby yeah like they they don't care and that's entirely reasonable and appropriate and if they did care like that would be kind of weird but <laughs> it's something to keep in mind that it's easy to kind of think about it in the rosy terms um in theory and just focus on that. But when it actually comes down to it, um, when it actually comes down to like, is this something that you want to part, f- you know, part with for money? Um, like that is often going to be a somewhat emotional thing. And maybe it's a good emotion. Maybe you're fed up with the app and you're just happy to be done with it. But like, it's something that I just want as a cautionary tale for my own experience that it can become surprisingly emotional, even for, uh, I wouldn't characterize myself as a particularly emotional person, but I got fairly emotional about the thoughts of, you know, being separate of, of selling off some of these apps that I've been working on for years and, um, had been, you know, such a position, such important part of my life. Um, it was not just a financial calculation. And, and because of that, it made me realize that I'm probably not a good candidate uh, for selling apps in general. Like maybe that day will come, but it's something that I would go into uh, with very much uh, sort of an o- o- sort of you know my eyes open to this is a potential pitfall.
0: I love that we've come around at the end of this episode about selling apps to me saying it's not really worth the money and you saying it's not really worth the the you know the emotion.
1: And that's, I think, (laughs) speaks to who we are and where we're coming from. And that's probably okay. You know, if you're listening to the show, selling apps for money and profit is unlikely to be uh, the approach you take. And so, like, maybe that's where we end up. It's something you want to think about. It's something you want to be conscious of. But ultimately, you know, maybe that's not for us.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm going to talk to you next week. Bye.